Well, hello, uh, Hope Church family and friends. Uh, my name is Clay Jernigan, as Rob had a chance to introduce me, and uh, I just want to express just how grateful I am, the honor to get to share with you tonight uh, from God's Word as we're looking into the kingdom. I, I want to also say just a big thanks to, uh, to your church family, to Rob, uh, the gift that uh, your pastor is not only to your church family, but also to our city. Uh, and that's also a reflection of you and your church. I, I know part of the Hope's story as you came into the city was part of hopefully the hospitality you received as a church getting started. Um, but that hospitality has been stewarded extremely well in the way that you not only received, but also have magnified that multi multiple times over to so many pastors and other churches in our city. Uh, you are a great light in our community, in Somerville and beyond. And so it's just a joy to get to be with you, to be a part of the story of what God's doing here at Hope and to get the chance to, to share with you. So uh, thank you, Hope Church family, for all that you're doing. Uh, as you are uh, in great times, uh, such uh, unique times, not passive, not sitting back, um, but finding innovative ways to continue to advance the gospel uh, from meeting even outside to finding ways to meet the needs of those without food and food distribution ways. And so I just want to say just a joy it is to get to be a part uh, in some small way of even here now, uh, but to bearing witness and being a part in different ways of your church family. So I'm excited. Great to be here with you as we look into the kingdom. Uh, one of the things as we get started, uh, I think about is a part of kind of who I am. I love stories. I love uh, hearing stories, uh, sharing stories. If you're with your, your pastor long, uh, Rob, he, he's a storyteller. I uh, love telling stories. But I have, uh, there are probably some pet peeves that I have uh, about stories uh, when it comes to them. Uh, and I, I see this uh, probably inside of our family because our family loves stories too. We've really kind of created a culture of our kids love hearing like, hey, dad, tell me when you were a kid or we'll sit around and hey, dad, tell us another story. And they kind of find some identity and part of our part of us growing up and things that we've done. Um, but one of the things is uh, things I struggle is like the, the wrong story at the wrong time. And my son has a spiritual my spiritual gift of just creating awkward moments. Uh, and it usually happens when uh, we're having dinner with neighbors, friends, and they're at the table and he'll just say, Hey, Dad, tell that story about when you skinned up your knees with the big wheel going down the hill. And it's just really out of place. It's like it just had nothing to do at all with what we're talking about. And uh, so and I'm finding a way to try and honor my son and insert this really story that has no connection to anything we're talking about and so um, so we just kind of step into it but um, or sometimes when someone's telling a story uh, I, I've been in this where someone's telling the story and it's like uh, man I, I just want to tell you this time about I was fishing and and the, man this great moment happened and then I look at them and I have to tell them I was the guy in the story with you like like they forget like I, I was with you, and and so uh, pet peeve. That's one of my pet peeves. Like you know, when you're just forgotten that you actually were a part of the story, and you were uh, kind of makes you feel small. But uh, one of the other ones for for me, as we kind of set up for this, is 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 the incomplete story. Sometimes uh, a story is told, and and you you hear parts of it, and it's not that it's not true. It's just you remember there's parts of it that you feel like they're so significant that maybe sometimes are left out that really kind of make that moment or make part of what's happening even more significant, at least from your eyes. And as we get ready tonight to think about the kingdom, I think about often our, 
approach and sometimes a way the story, as we've often re reflected upon the story of Scripture, how we can sometimes do that. How often the story of Scripture can be a little incomplete. One of our, one of, if you're a follower of Christ or you've heard often about the story of God, many times it's told from the standpoint of man uh, having sin, man and woman having sinned in a garden, and that sin uh, being a rebellion to God, and, and then part of God's rescue plan coming uh, to restore man through Jesus Christ and through his death, burial, and resurrection, restoring us to him. And then we hear that uh, there will be a day where he will return and take us back with him, where we will get to be with him one day and part of his return. And that story is very true, and that is the gospel story. And that story begins in Genesis 3, and culminates in part of Revelation. But part of the, the significance of the gospel story is actually the bookends of both parts of that, of Genesis 1 and 2, of man who was made in perfect relationship with Jesus, who was made in the very image of God, a man who, who at that point uh, was there to oversee and to give dominion and uh, to give order to the world that God had created. That was part of the, the natural order that even comes before the fall. And in Revelation 21, 22, we see this culmination of Jesus coming back to now make not only man, um, but all things new and restoring them together. And all of the in-between is not just our restoring relationship back to Christ, but actually joining Him and that restorative process, and that joining Him, actually what we'll talk tonight about the kingdom picture of we get to join Him in the work now uh, to see uh, all things restored, not only reconciling all people, but actually all things. And Because if we start at just Genesis 3, and it's our sin, God's return to redeem us, and to one day we get to return with Him the only shortfall there is it keeps I, it keeps us as the center. But if we step back and see the whole that, that there was God who was moving before and our relationship with Him of where it was and where it will end and the part that we get to play in it today as followers of Christ, then we get to see that really the story is about God. It's about us entering into a story that's already taken place. We don't have to any longer look for our story. It's finding our place in His story. And so tonight, that's, if that's the kind of overarching, kind of big picture of where we want to go, to think of part of His kingdom, of uh, even as He prays, God, Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's this, God, we want to see Your kingdom now. But we also know it's coming and it's not yet, and, but there's part of what's happening. It's not just a later thing that we get to see, but it's one that we get to actually step into. Some of you may hear this and, and kind of push back a little bit even to say, well, uh, don't we have like uh, the Great Commission? This is kind of Jesus' last words, like significant words. You can imagine the last words of someone, how significant they are. And in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, this is Jesus speaking, and he's talking to his disciples, and others that around have followed are there, and he's getting ready to say these words to them. Uh, and many of us, we pull from this, this idea that we're supposed to be evangelistic. We're supposed to see people give opportunity for them to come to know Christ, uh, to respond to him through baptism. And so let me read this. Verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. 
And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I don't know, but I love, love the fact that just even some of these unique moments. Uh, these are the same people that saw him uh, crucified, uh, buried, and now back here in front of him. Uh, and I, we don't know this, but I mean, this is moments he's getting ready to take off, like, to go to heaven. Uh, so this man may be levitating at this moment, um, but still some are, are looking going, eh, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm not sure if... I'm in, like, I, I need a little bit more. Um, I say that as comfort maybe for some of you. Maybe you find yourself in that place. Like, I've heard a lot of great things, a lot of compelling things, but I just, I'm not sure. Or maybe you're someone who's spent a lot of time investing with someone, and you just, like, they just continue, they just don't quite see part of what Christ, who Christ is and his love for them. I, I give you hope that uh, there are still those who doubted then and, and God is still at work in them. But 18 picks up, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he has all authority, and he's about to extend it to them. Go therefore, and this is the part I think we cling to most. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That's everyone, every every ethnos of people across all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then here's where I want to land teaching them to observe and all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. What was it that Jesus was teaching them? What was it that was on Jesus's lips for the majority of his time that they heard day in and day out? As we look through scripture, we see that Jesus spoke of the kingdom over 120 times. He spoke of the church twice. The things, and even as we look at moments where he spoke of money or even uh, the afterlife or those who do not follow him and and damnation, it was usually always in the context of the kingdom so that they would understand the kingdom. The kingdom is, is quite vast. In fact, Tonight, we're actually just going to look at one passage, one simple passage about the kingdom. And we're, we're going to get kind of a peephole into it. There's so much more. Uh, in fact, I love when Jesus speaks of the kingdom, he uses so many different parables. It's, I was thinking of it this way. It's like, if you ask me, Clay, describe, tell me about your family. If you say, Clay, tell me about your family. Like, what would you say? How would you describe your family? Well, if, if you were to ask me that question, I, I wouldn't say, well, our family is... Uh, 6 p.m. on evenings at the dinner table. Like our our family is, uh, well, you our family spends time yes at dinner tables. Uh, uh, we have there's pe- there's people in our home. There's moments we like to take walks. The reality is for you to experience and actually fully understand. I could describe it, but you would have to you have to come with me. You would have to experience and walk in it to actually see and understand part of more of who our family is. I really hope our church has become more of that way. And I encourage you as you think of Hope Church and, and you describe Hope Church that you don't describe a service time. You actually, you might describe, I know for us, I, I describe relationships. It's people. It's, it's things we're wrestling through. It's things we're struggling through. Our, our church is the things we're longing to see God do, the things that he's inviting us into. And Jesus, uh, he approaches a kingdom very similarly in a way of just, he's going to speak to it in so many different fashions through these parables. And tonight we're in Matthew 13, uh, verses 31 through 32, a very short verse, but I believe it has a lot for us to, to look at. So let's look there together. Matthew 13, verses 31. 
It's Jesus speaking. He says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. If you're taking any notes, one of the things I'd say write down is this, the kingdom has a plan. I don't know how many of you are planners by, by nature. Some of you take a lot of comfort uh, in a plan. I'm somewhere in between. Uh, there's some things I'm really planned out on and other things I'm really okay being uh, much more ambiguous. Uh, we see here that Jesus, though, he, he, he is the sower. He is the one sowing the seeds. He's putting this parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven is this mustard seed, this very small seed, and it has a place that it lands in the field. God is this man sowing the seed. And I want to say this, where God has planted and laid the seed is not by accident. Where God has planted you is not by accident. Where God has you is part of His plan. I, I, I think about, I kind of envision this, this, uh, f- the seed thrower, kind of he, as he's throwing the seed, um, it's just, it's going where it's supposed to go. That was not my experience. I, I remember when we lived in Kentucky, my first time trying to, to seed our front yard, it was the Kentucky bluegrass, and I thought, I wanted to have this amazing yard. And I, I heard my dad talk about how they would do it where they live, which was not Kentucky. But he would throw, he just said you'd grab handfuls and you would just, you'd get in that motion of just like taking steps and slinging it. And so I did that and I thought, man, that, I just can't wait to see the grass come up. Well, when it did, it, it was really inconsistent. It looked like it just had throwing lanes of grass in the yard. Um, so my plan was not very good. Let me give you your trust and hope, though, in God's plan of where He has placed you much different than my hands throwing that seed. And a question I think most of us are probably likely to ask sometimes in our life, though, is, God, what what is your plan? God, how how are you using me? If part of this kingdom picture is not us just finding our story, but finding our our place in His story— then that's a fair question, God. What is it? What is your plan? And part of this is then maybe asking God, how do you how do you want to use me? Maybe some of you are in a place and you're asking, would you ever use me? Could you ever use me? As you think about part of your story, and one of the great hopes that we find here in the kingdom is that it has a place for every person to find its place in part of God's plan. Now while it may not always be that God keeps you right where you currently are, God, God's kingdom plan is a way for you to engage your life and starting kind of right now where you're planted. I, I think of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, Paul is speaking. It's a, it's a unique text where Paul is speaking to uh, the Jews and the Gentiles and, and part of their situation of what the, the good news of what Christ, what it's done is, uh, for them, now they no longer, he's, he's encouraged them, hey, no longer whether you are Jew or Gentile, do you need to worry about these physical things like circumcision. It's kind of right where you are. It, it, you, you, you receive Christ and you become obedient right where you are. Then he steps into speaking of these bond servants, of individuals that were, had entrusted themselves either to pay back debt or were enslaved to individuals. And God's going in this moment where, God, where I have you, Paul is going in, in seven 
chapter 7, verse 24. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let them, there let them remain with God. Kind of an encouragement, right where you are, if I could say this, is God wants to use you in some of the places right now where you are. The kingdom of God has placed His people. He's placed you, if you're a follower of Christ, in every domain of our city, across our society. It's a place where tonight, if you are in the medical field, some of you are teachers, some of you are stay-at-home moms or dads working with your children, some of you are in construction, some of you maybe are in the hospitality and food industry, you work tech, you're computer programmers, and the people you talk to are maybe across the world, engineers, your students, your first responders, your military, you, you influence parts of our government. God has placed you in every domain, and it's not by accident. It's a part of His plan. Well, how can the kingdom be in those people? Well, how are, how are, how's the kingdom there? Because it's in you, if you are a follower of Christ. Uh, this A few weeks ago, I had the chance to be uh, in a meeting with a few gentlemen. Uh, we were downtown Charleston, and the gentleman that was hosting the meeting is a manager of a hotel. He's a follower of Christ, and just in the interaction time we were there, we had, had a chance to watch him interact with his staff. We had a chance to watch him, and he didn't know this, but we're watching the way he's interacting with people that are coming in out of his hotel, and, and then certainly our time with us, the way he just, the hospitality that he demonstrated and showed to us, and the way he received us, the way he made us feel. And there was a moment towards the end of our meeting, a gentleman that was with us that uh, just one of these moments I'm looking and just learning, watching another gentleman speak into the life of someone. And he looked at him and he said, I just want to tell you, for the last couple of days, it's been a joy to watch as you have presented just hospitality to those in this city and the way that you receive them into your hotel, the way you serve and care for your staff, even the way you've cared for us. And he said, the church has so much to learn from your posture and what you do. You are a light and a bright light right here in our city. And I wish I, I, wish I could say all the, the wonderful words. It wasn't a whole lot more. But it was enough that in that moment as I'm watching this hotel manager and the significance he plays in our city begin to just, his eyes begin to just kind of well up. The reality is this hotel manager, I'm not sure how many people have ever spoken into his life to allow him to see the significance of what he does, the significance of what you do in the places where God has you. The reality is you are ministers of the gospel. You are real ministers, shepherds of towards others of who he is, where God has you. And I love that story of this hotel manager. And, uh, and there, the reality is there are so many more, but we need to do more speaking into each other and calling it into them, into the kingdom work. Well, the kingdom has a plan, but it also has power. The kingdom has power. And we look here in, in verse 32, uh, it's, it is the smallest of all seeds, it says, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. The, 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 the mustard seed uh, really is, I mean, if you see this, it is exceptionally small. And so you look at it and you can begin to think just how maybe insignificant it is. Uh, I think of maybe some things that are small sometimes. I, uh, some of the things that we enjoy here in Charleston, probably you as well, are the restaurants that are all around us. And um, one of the things that 
you know, when I think about if you were to describe kind of your favorite restaurant, like what are some of the things that you would describe? Odds are, if you're describing your favorite restaurant, it's probably not because of how big it is. It really has probably nothing to do with its size. It's probably some of the unique elements it has, certainly the food, probably the environment that's created, and just what you feel and experience uh, when you're there. If you've been in Somerville long, there was a place uh, that closed down a few years, very sadly, called Perfectly Frank's. Uh, that was one of my favorite places to go. I don't know many of you if you were here, uh, but if you know the genesis of it, so that was a much a little bit bigger place. It actually began as a place called P-Dogs, and it was just a little store. It had like maybe two little tables, but you just loved it. You just couldn't wait. The size did not matter. The significance, though, of its food and what it was doing in our community uh, was big, and we, we mourn its loss today. Amen. But it was so simple. It was small. But it had great significance. And in the same way, the seed of what Jesus is trying to say here in this, this metaphor is like, don't, don't, be, don't misunderstand uh, the significance of small. Don't, don't look at something small and come to a conclusion its, its impact is minimal. The kingdom of God has a whole different economy that it functions on. And Jesus is introducing us to a whole different economy of what the kingdom is, that it can take the smallest thing and yet create the biggest impact. But I'm curious, like, what do you think? How, how does the seed become this massive tree? What is required of this small seed to achieve its biggest impact? It has to die. The seed has to be planted in the ground. The reality is the work of God that He's wanting to do through you, He first wants to do in you. He's wanting something in you to be submitted and laid before Him at an altar and sacrificed before you. The reality is probably, there's probably typically two areas right now that for some of us that are holding us back. For some of you, it's God can never use me. He just couldn't use me, Clay. You don't understand the things I've done. You don't understand part of my story. And he's inviting you to an altar to lay yourself there in an exchange for him. And the reality is some of you are maybe on another place where it's not God could never use me. It's God should be glad to have me. For you right now, probably some of your struggle is you have a lot of confidence in the giftings you have. The creative way, the Imago Dei, the way he's actually made you like him, you have found more confidence in yourself and how he's made you. And right now, your gifts, your abilities are not surrendered to a king. They're not surrendered to a king. If they're not surrendered to a king, they can't work in a kingdom. And there's places for you that God wants to use. And the first way that, you know, the first one may look like humility, but really it's it's just a disbelief in what God can actually do, the significance and the power of his gospel. That, That you are a child of the king, that Christ says he's with you, that you are joint heirs of Christ. And the second, some of you, again, you're natural leaders. You're, you have the abilities to plan, strategize, special skills, gifts, and God's calling you to lay these things down to him. There's a plan and there is power, and it can start in the smallest ways. This past week, I had... Uh, a lady that called just inquiring about a training that's coming up here in uh, just a couple weeks, uh, English as a second language class. Um, and this young family, uh, her and her husband have moved here in the last year. He's a Navy, he's in the Navy and 
part of their story is just they, they have enjoyed trying to connect with other ethnic groups. And uh, for her specifically, uh, speaking to uh, trying to connect with Spanish speaking families has been part of her heart. But she's trying to find a way to connect in this English as a second language class. And she's telling me a little bit. And in, in our conversation, she says, um, you know, here's kind of the genesis of why this is important. She said, our, my husband and I, we, we, we had floors being installed in our home. And well, the crew that was there, we got, to, we got to meet one of the gentlemen that was working in our home on the floors. And in our conversation, we just felt led to invite he and his wife to come back with their family to have dinner. And we, we asked, and they accepted, and they came, and they had dinner with us. And I'm thinking, as she's sharing this story, kind of like where it's going, and I'm already I'm, I'm like, man, what a simple, like, oh, wow, that's neat. Like, what a small, you know, step. But what a, man, they said yes, and now they're in your home. And... Um, and she said during the conference, it was just a great time meeting with them. They're a Brazilian family. And so she's like, I really don't speak Portuguese, but their English is, is, is okay. It's enough for us to communicate. Um, but she said in their conversation, they asked, would, would, would I be willing to come to the store to start teaching them and some of the workers there English? And this had been something that had kind of been a thought in her head one day to con- continue that work. But what it looked like, she had no idea. In that process of continuing to, to just serve there, she's been going there now on Monday evenings, and now one of the workers there who also is related to a family member of, a, uh, of another, another business that does granite countertops. Now that company is coming to her and going, hey, would you consider coming to our store and teaching our family? So husbands and wives are meeting in the store on these evenings to try to learn English, and, and she's going, Clay, like, I need more people. Like, I can't do this. Like, I, I, and so I was like, what's your goal? And she said, four leaders by the end of the year that would just come, that I could show them what I'm doing. And this simple smallness, um, sometimes we jump to the big plan. We jump to the really big plan, and God is right where we are, part of His plan, where you are, being obedient, taking a step for them. It looked like, would you like to have dinner? And she didn't know how all that would go, but as God unfolded it, it required part of that power. God's power releasing in her is taking steps and being obedient. And I want to encourage you tonight in some of those places God might be leading you, and as you're working through what some of those might be, a resource you might look into is something called the Calling Lab. You could look at callinglab.com. It's a free resource. You can kind of walk through yourself. The heart of it is to, to try to help you uh, kind of look in and understand a little bit of who you are, how God's made you, some of the things of your story, and part of what God might be doing. And as God reveals some of that, my encouragement is allow God's power to work through you in small ways. It has a plan. It has power, but it also has a purpose. The kingdom has purpose. In 32, it is the smallest of the seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants, and it becomes a tree so that, here's the purpose, the plan that was put in place, the power that has moved through the smallest thing to become a tree. It would have been great. In my mind, it ends with, I'm a big tree. Look at me. But Jesus continues it. I don't know if I ever, ever would say that. A big tree, look at me. But he says, you become a big tree so that. I'm going to do something in you so that. And here is the so that. Here's its purpose. That the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. What I want to do through you is for a purpose. You get to be a part of it, but it's not really just about you. It's about my glory being shown through you in the lives for others. 
part of God's purpose of, of his kingdom is that we would see that, again, it's not just about us. I, I love David last week. One of his statements was is that uh, God's glory is greater than our story. And this is how we get to walk this out. Part of his glory is that actually the tree and the birds represented there in the same parables before are the ones of nuisance. The birds are the ones that where the system is messed up and now we're, we're actually going to provide refuge for those things that were once broken, were once messed up, were once the nuisance. That we are, that's our purpose, to actually be a part of that Genesis 1-2, Revelation 21-22 through of restoring God's redemptive work back. And so God is for us and we get to walk in relationship with Him in a restoration of our lives to Him, but also helping restore now all things back. And we get to step into that. And for many of us, we will not see the significance of the plan or the power or even the purpose unless we step in. I'm afraid if we, if we don't see its purpose, we, we'll get lulled back into thinking it's okay for me to not engage. We become attenders rather than engagers. And thus, without lives, with our very lives, we say it's about me. The birds of the air, they come and make a nest. So what do, we, what do we need? What do we need to do? What we need are more people to engage. We need people who will address poverty, who will step into homelessness, mental illness. There won't be enough direct action to combat racism, sexism, abuse of power, unless we step in and see the gospel purpose of the kingdom. There will be little time or money to spend on widows, orphans, or the sick or dying unless we understand its purpose. There won't be the bandwidth to think about peacemaking or reconciliation, welcoming a stranger, caring uh, for refugees, defending the weak and the wrongly accused. There'll be no margin for supporting single parents, under-resourced schools, or people with disabilities. A risk, at-risk kids that stay exposed, prostitution that goes unconfronted, a worldwide pandemic of child slavery, and human trafficking gets three minutes often on stages of churches across our, 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 our country. And there's a collective sigh of sympathy, and then we just kind of move on to the next thing. These things are not optional for the people, the people of God. These things are not given as ideas or suggestions. They are the response and the purpose of those in the kingdom. And all these things are the Genesis 1 through Revelation 2 response of the, the full story. It's, it's not optional for the church to care for the widow and the orphan. It's not optional for us as faithful disciples of Jesus to have a presence in our prison system. It's, it's, we, we are broken into smaller versions of the church as we are mobilized into the places where we live, work, and play. We're allowed to be passionate about something or some place in particular. We can then be sent into every possible place of darkness. We become small enough to notice. You become small enough to care about very specific people, every kind of person. We're able to suffer with them in the struggle for hope, for justice, for wholeness. We are dispersed, and we actually, in that, we find ourselves face-to-face -face with evil. But we also find ourselves in face-to-face -face with the needs of people, and it compels us to act, to call upon every available resource that we have to deliver the good news of the kingdom. It's not done. It's in these places we're dispersed that we see the people are hungry, and you, Hope Church, have stepped into that. 
And you see, and you don't just say, I see it, I, we want to do something about it, we should do something. And we see that people don't have shelter, then, and they can't get jobs or education or health care. We move. Illicit drugs have ravaged us for generations, and every good thing in the world seems to be twisted into addiction. Violence is literally everywhere. Murder, rape, theft, threats, fear seems to be the one thing all human beings have in common. Without a sense of bodily safety, how can we live? How can people learn? How can they love, build anything? All of these evils have taken fathers, mothers from their children, and so have thousands of children been orphaned, destined to know a lonely world. The foster system is bursting, it seems, in all the world. Kids have no parents, no prospects, and very little hope. We are watching suicide and clinical disorders that are becoming epidemic. You want to know what is the kingdom, what the people of the kingdom do, its purpose. We do all of that and more. We don't do all of those things by ourselves. I hope you feel the overwhelming weight of that. And if you felt that, I hope it moved you a couple things. One, that maybe some of those things rang in your heart, but that weight that it would move you not to a place of, well, why should I engage? It is that we, there's a place for every single one of us to find our place in the work that God's doing. Jesus said to Peter, You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus has in his mind the vision of a church so dangerous, so engaged, so dispersed, that it would not make disciples of every nation, but it would usher in justice. It wouldn't just make disciples of every nation. It would also usher in justice, dignity, and life. And we would be a part of God's restorative work now, even now as we wait for Him to come in the fullest. If you're a follower of King Jesus tonight, I just encourage you, you're a part of the kingdom plan. I want you to look where God has you, where and to with whom might he be calling you? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Is it a, is a situation right around you? Those moments don't have to look very far because they're there every day. You're also part of a kingdom with power. Don't be intimidated by the next step. Take the next step. Christ is with you. Don't underestimate the significance of the small and step into it. It's how big things start. And you are a part of a kingdom with purpose. We have the opportunity to join Christ now in His redemptive work in all people, all places, and all things. And we get to join Him there. Thank you guys so much. I want to pray for us that God may move in you and show you some of those next steps. For you, maybe tonight, that you're still just leaning in on who Christ is, that what you hear is an invitation into not only a life restored in Him, but also a work restoring with Him and joining Him in that work, and that God not only wants to do something in you, but do something through you. And you can do that by calling on His name, surrendering your life to Him. That is the posture of every single one of us tonight, whether you know Him now or you've known Him for years, is to surrender who we are and what we have to our King. Because if there is a King, there's a kingdom, and we want to function and live in that. Let's pray. God, we thank You. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of your word, Lord, that draws us to seeing the significance of what you have done, Lord, and your son who came to take our very sin. 
Lord, to give us what we didn't deserve, but also, Father, to also invite us into relationship with you and into your work of restoring all things, all people. And God, we just thank you tonight for the, the work that you're doing in this church and what you want to do now, Lord, through this week. God, I pray for the week ahead. Lord, for the men and women who and students are going to step into so many areas of our city, God, that even tonight you may begin to move in their lives and show them ways that you want them to engage and step into your kingdom work. Lord, that they're going to trust you and experience you in some very small ways that, God, they will have a taste of what it looks like to walk with you and they never want to leave it. And God, that you will continue to fan the work and the wonderful things that you're doing here into more. God, as you influence your your people, the church here of Greater Somerville and Charleston as a whole, Lord, that you would continue to call us together to, towards your work. Now we thank you. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.